Hey there, everybody. How you doing? And welcome to the John Riley Project. This is episode number 148. How are you? Um, we're um, got a podcast here. It's all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We're going to talk about a bunch of things. We're going to talk about uh, my road trip to Pahrump, Nevada. We're going to get into President Trump. That's why this episode is titled really Trump and Pahrump. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about President Trump and some of his executive orders and Social Security. I'm going to tell you about some um, really interesting self-discoveries some some really good self-improvement tips that I uncovered during my isolation in the desert, you know, kind of my road trip. I learned a lot of things about myself and I always like sharing self-improvement tips because this is a podcast. Like I said, it's about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That means we've got to live a flourishing life, live a big life, be all that you can be. And so um, thanks for joining me. You know, so um, I'm back now in Poway, back in the fabulous JRP podcast studio here in Poway, California. And yeah, so I, I went to Pahrump, Nevada. Um, something. I I work from home. Um Obviously, home with my family, home like ninety of the time, and so I was just itching to get out of the house, itching to go on a trip. Um, wanted to kind of, you know, kind of go back to the woodshed. You know, like Jim Rome said, he he goes down to the basement and charges his batteries. You know, I wanted to go into isolation mode. I wanted to just cool the jets. I wanted to relax. I wanted to de-stress. I wanted just to sort of do nothing, you know, and uh, read, write. And I wasn't sure really where I was going to go. You know, I'm here in the San Diego County area and you think, well, where can you go on a road trip? Well, you can't really go south. I mean, you don't want to cross the international border during a pandemic. That gets complicated. You can't go west because that's the ocean. I was hesitant to go east because everything out there is 100 degrees or more. But then everything to the north, I mean, obviously there's there's parks and things that can be explored, but so much is still shut down. You know, I'm dying to go back and finish up my trip of visiting all the all the California missions, but those aren't open yet. So I figured, you know what, it almost didn't matter where I went as long as it was someplace else. And so, you know, I thought about Pahrump and, you know, I go, what the hell? You know, let's go to Pahrump, Nevada. And so I hopped in the car on Thursday and I drove out and got my electric vehicle and I'm cruising my Hyundai Kona. And um, I had to reach, I was fully charged when I left Poway. I got up to Baker to the home of the world's largest thermometer, a plug in there, Electrify America station, worked really good. And, you know, just as an aside, if you're ever interested, um, I also have another YouTube channel where I do reviews of electric vehicle charging stations and it's called trigger energy. So if you look up trigger energy on YouTube, you can see, I probably got about, I don't know, 20 or 30 reviews up there. So I, I enjoy doing it. Cause you know, when I'm down and I'm charging for about an hour, it gives me something to do. So um, did my review of the charging station there in Baker. And then, you know, normally you're in Baker, you just keep going on the 15 towards Vegas. Instead, I went north on this other two lane road through the middle of, you know, BFE um, Death Valley. And, uh, you know, just seeing all kinds of interesting things. And as I'm driving, I can feel the tension already relaxing in my and my neck and my shoulders, I was, I was feeling really good. And, you know, then we, we got up there and we, actually just me, I was by myself and I had booked an Airbnb and, um, 
you know, just just a, a really nice little duplex. It was comfortable. It was cozy. You know, Pahrump is not the most attractive city in the in the United States. It's a desert town. It's dry. It's dusty. It's freaking hot. It was like 108 degrees. But man, I was in this nice little duplex, two bedroom air conditioning worked great. It was nicely decorated. So, um, yeah, it was fabulous. So big shout out to, to Patricia. Thanks for helping me out. Um, Patricia Joy on your, um, Airbnb loved it. And, um, yeah, so I'm in Pahrump and, you know, the other thing about Pahrump, maybe you never, maybe you already know this, maybe you don't, but that's, um, the home of Art Bell. You know, coast to coast radio, the late night talk show guy, man, I used to listen to him a lot. I always enjoyed like he would cover ancient civilizations and and aliens and and, um, you know, just all kinds of fun conspiracy theories. I mean, was any of it true? Who knew? But it was just always entertaining. It was a fun thing to listen to in the evening. But I know he's passed away. You know, you're out there by Area 51 and it just kind of got this cool sort of funky vibe. And I really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, it's interesting, too. I'm like driving around Pahrump. You look at the real estate. It You can get, you know, a decent little home for a couple hundred thousand dollars, you know, which geez, back in the day, that sounds like a ton of money. But compared to real estate here in San Diego, that's cheap. And it just makes you think, you know, like I bet you there's a lot of people that are like snowbirds that must come down in the winter to be in Pahrump or during certain times of the year. But yeah, you'd be, you could maybe live six months of the year in Nevada tax free. You can have that as your permanent residence and then have six months to travel about the world, you know, and you kind of have a home base there where it's relatively inexpensive. It's interesting to think about some of those ideas while you're out there, but you know, overall it was good downtime and I've been really enjoying my, uh, my Netflix series, Mr. Sunshine, which I can't, recommend enough. Um, it's all about the Korean revolution at the early part of the 20th century. And it's, it's on like 99% in Korean, but with subtitles, but it's fabulous. Mr. Sunshine on Netflix. So I got in a bunch of those episodes. So geez, it was a great, it was a good trip. So as I get a little deeper into this podcast, I'll share, you know, some of my own discoveries, um, self-discovery, self-improvement, because I, I got some things done out there. Um, that I'm really, really happy about. So um, what else is new? Uh, you know, before we jump into Trump and all this other business, I just want to give you a couple more highlights. Um, what else is new? You know what? Um, I think it. I have officially have haters. <laughs> there are people that just, you know, because of the podcast and the things we talk about and, you know, um, it's I've got a lot of, not a lot, but there's a handful of people that are just really, angry with me, you know, and I get into social media and I engage with them and just hostile and it's something. Um, but you know what? I, it almost makes me feel like, hey, we're making an impact, you know, because, boy, when I did this podcast in the very beginning, you know, you're a little scared, maybe a little trepidation. You don't know who's going to like it. And but when you go out and do this sort of thing and you're expressing your opinion, you're going to have lovers and haters. Um, if you had no haters, then maybe that would be a bad sign. No one would care. Um, but um, yeah, I've, I've got haters. So maybe I've moved up in the world as I'm doing this podcast. But man, you know, it it's interesting because for me, this podcast is, is just a very valuable tool for me. And, um, you know, I've, I've had some issues like 
coming up with more content, largely because I've been dealing with some challenges in my mind, which I think I've cleared out, which I'm going to get to. But as I'm doing these podcast episodes, you know, I, I have my solo podcast like the one I'm doing now where I tend to be very opinionated and I'll share a lot of political thoughts and thoughts on philosophy and economics. And, you know, I have some pretty hard takes, some hardcore takes there. And, um, you know, I'm going to make my opinion felt and that's going to tweak some people and that's okay, man. I still love you. Even if you don't, even if you disagree with me, but then, you know, just for, for what it's worth, I also have a lot of guests that come onto this podcast. You know, some of them have come here into the podcast studio, I've done a number, you know, really in this COVID era by Zoom. And I don't know if you can tell, but for me, I really try hard when I have a podcast guest that I'm very neutral. I'm not heavily opinionated. I'm not debating them. I'm not trying to hammer them. I'm not challenging them. I'm just trying to get them to tell their story. Um, And when I'm doing my solo podcast, that's, hey, that's where I'm being self-expressive. And it was interesting as I was driving out to Pahrump and I was listening to one of the podcasts from Brendan Burchard. I don't know if you know who he is, but he's a um, kind of a motivational speaker, trainer, influencer, author. I mean, he's a bundle of positive energy. He's really good. I enjoy listening to him. And he was talking about self-expression, you know, as I was on the road and saying how it's sad, you know, that there are a lot of people out there that they have a dream. They they have something they really want to accomplish in their life, but they're too timid. They they don't want to, they don't feel comfortable expressing themselves. And what it ends up doing is it traps them into this space where, you know, they're in a bubble and they can't escape because they're too afraid of the outside world. And I will admit, you know, for me to a degree, I was like that before this podcast, but Getting out and being expressive as I'm going through this process, man, it just feels good for me, you know. So, you know, Brendan Burchard talked about it as uh, self-expression is sort of the road to happiness. And this podcast is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So I'm really happy that I'm able to sh- share my thoughts and um, with you. And I always look forward to you sharing your thoughts with me. And that's why we're doing live streams. So if you um, are watching this, viewing this live, you know, I'm going to be checking my computer over here. I'll take questions. We'll kind of have some fun with it. Um, And then one final thing I want to talk about, I just can't help but talk about it is and I'll keep this really short. The Padres, fantastic. They won two out of three against Arizona. It's hit six home runs on Sunday. Um, Fernando Tatis Jr. just blowing up. I mean, National League Player of the Week. Big feature uh, story on him on ESPN. This guy is a superstar, um, not only as an athlete, but as a personality, as an entertainer. I'm just so blessed so happy that we actually have this guy here in san diego usually these amazing athletes are on someone else's team uh but now we've got this guy on the padres and man is he something uh so really enjoyed watching the padre games when i was out in Pahrump, nevada and then tonight man they just beat the la dodgers two to one they went up against dustin may the pitcher that looks like carrot top that man that guy throws 100 mile an hour two seam fastballs that break the width of the plate the guy is unbelievable but somehow some way the padres scratched over a win 
um, with, you know, kind of using duct tape and bailing wire and like a MacGyver solution with the bullpen with Luis Perdomo starting and Cal Quantrill was great. Matt Strom was great. Um, and then they got into um, Craig Stam, a little shaky, Emilio Pagan, and then, wow, Drew Pomeranz was fantastic. Uh, so the pitching was terrific. Defense was great. Jake Cronworth making plays. Man, I'm loving this. I'm just loving it. So the Padres are 10 and 7. Um, they're off to a, a solid start. And I think they've got a shot to be in the playoffs in this shortened COVID season. So I'm enthusiastic. I, I'm a big Padre fan. And I know when I do my podcast, some of you like it because you like that I cover politics, especially local politics here in San Diego County and even particularly in my hometown of Poway. And some of you are like, oh, he's talking about sports again. But you know, this is the John Riley project. I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about. But yeah, so the Padres, man, just doing great. So, okay, so let's get into the meat and potatoes of all this. Let's talk about President Trump. Talked about Parump. Now let's talk about Trump. <laughs> okay, so President Trump over the weekend signed four executive orders and people went batshit crazy. The progressives, the liberals were going bananas um, that I and I noticed this while I was out in Pahrump and it was unbelievable. The reaction and and I, I just want to break this down because I've got a number of hot takes on this. and I think this is really, really important stuff. So. You know, what, what the president did is he signed four executive orders um, where one of them was to defer student loan payments and I think to suspend interest for a period of time. And all of this, of course, is to relieve the stress of the whole pandemic and the economic uh, downturn and et cetera. So deferring student loan payments, and I think he was suspending interest. The second thing was to extend the sort of eviction protection. So renters, they can continue to not pay rent and not get evicted. Um, so that's something he signed an executive order for that. He signed another executive order to continue the $400 a week unemployment benefit um, that a lot of people are really using to survive. And then finally, and this was the big one, was to defer the payroll tax um, for, um, you know, essentially to defer it till the end of the, of the tax year. Uh, and he talked about actually 100% eliminating the uh, payroll tax. And this is the tax that funds Social Security and Medicare. And he was saying, if I'm reelected, I'm going to abolish that tax. And oh, my God, did people just go berserk about this? Because for some people, it's confirming every conspiracy suspicion that the Trump is going to kill Social Security and he's going to kill Medicare and everyone's just going bananas. And so, um, you know, relax, folks, relax. That's not going to happen. And I'm going to talk to you. And I'll explain why. The first thing before we get into the details of all this, the fact that the president is signing these executive orders is nuts. I mean, this is, you know, when you have a president that is just with a, with, well, President Obama did a lot of this with a, a phone and a pen. He's just enacting new laws unilaterally without having Congress voting. Um, this is like merging the legislative and executive branch into one. This is essentially allowing the president to rule as a king as a dictator. And if, if, if the, if the president's someone you like, 
And this was true when President Obama was signing executive orders. And it's true when President Trump is assigning executive orders. If he's your guy, then you love it. Yeah, you'd say, ah, oh, Congress, they're worthless. They're not getting anything done. And our president's going to get this stuff done. But think about this. If this precedent has been set, and obviously executive orders have been happening for a long time. But if you go back to George Washington, my understanding is he only signed one a year. I mean, Trump just signed four in a weekend. Um, so they're doing more and more of these executive orders. Um, and Trump right now, he hasn't signed as many as Obama, but on an annual basis, on a per annum basis, he he's done more of these. Um, this is dangerous. And imagine now Trump signing the executive orders. So all the, the nationalists, the right wingers, the conservatives are probably happy. But on the other hand, you know, what's going to happen if Biden is elected? Then suddenly they are going to be having, you know, the other guy's going to have the power to do this. But in the end, it's unconstitutional. We have separation of power. We have three co-equal branches of government, the legislative, you know, Congress, Senate and the House. We've got the executive branch and we've got the judicial branch. But when a president signs an executive order, especially like this involving taxes, which is specifically the venue uh, or the purview, I should say, of Congress. So Trump just boldly, just flamboyantly, just with like a bull in a China shop, which is typical Trump, um, signing these executive orders. And to me, this these should be ruled immediately unconstitutional, but it's going to depend on someone's got to challenge him. Now, I don't know if the Supreme Court challenges. I don't know how that works, but Already, some Republicans are pushing back. Ben Sass, the senator from Nebraska, pushing back. Um, Justin Amash, who the former Republican, the now that then an independent, now the libertarian uh, member of Congress, the only libertarian, he's pushing back, and we're seeing some more of this. Um, yeah, we, you can't put up with this sort of business because the president needs to stay in his lane. And I don't mean this to Trump or Obama or Biden. It, it, the president of the United States has a scope of authority and they can't be extending unemployment benefits and, you know, deferring taxes and all these other things. They don't have the power to do it. But the question now is, is someone going to challenge him? Because the Republicans have been so damn weak. They don't want to challenge him. Uh, they're afraid to challenge him. But come on, guys, show uh, show us a pair here and actually do what's right for America and for the Constitution. Um, these executive orders, I think it's a form of dictatorship. This is how we slide down the, the, the dark path of fascism and, and ugliness. Um, it's, it's autocratic, you know, power and control, um, from Washington, DC, but let's look at each of these executive orders. And one of them was the eviction one. And it's interesting because, you know, what, what does this mean? That, so my understanding is, is that renters, and obviously renters are probably living paycheck to paycheck, are challenged. Maybe they're not working or some of them are working and getting the $400 a week benefit plus other benefits. If they are um, if they're unable to make their rent payment, they can skip the rent payment and defer it till later. 
um, but they don't run the risk of being evicted. So they essentially are getting a free uh, roof over their head without any threat of being evicted. It's almost like a violation of contract law. And by extending this eviction moratorium, it's actually violating a fundamental pillar of capitalism, contract law. Meanwhile, President Trump is the guy that keeps saying he's going to stop the socialist policies. He's going to you know, focus on capitalism. And now here he's signing an executive order that undermines capitalism, which is crazy. Um, then we've got the um, the deferment of um, the payroll taxes is another crazy one. Um, you know, let's get into this because this is the big one. First of all, every election season, we see people um, that are convinced, absolutely certain that the Republicans are going to abolish Social Security. They're going to abolish Medicare. And we need to get, you know, we, we, we can't allow a Republican to be in office because of the threats to these entitlement systems. And I hear it's like chicken little. Every election cycle, I hear this. And going back decades, it's the same message, but it never happens. Um, in fact, Republicans typically expand those programs. I mean, Ronald Reagan increased the taxes on um, Social Security to ensure that they had greater funding. Um, President Bush um, expanded Medicare to include prescription drug coverage. I mean, the Republicans have so many old people that support them, so many old people that support them. If they abolish Social Security and Medicare, I mean, that's a suicide message mission. That's political death. There's no way the Republicans are going to abolish those programs. Yet we keep hearing progressives trotting out this conspiracy theory every election cycle. And it's not happening, folks. It's just not. I mean, the Republicans don't have the balls to eliminate those programs. There's just no way. Because the one thing we know of these politicians is that the one thing that they are absolutely are going to demand is that they get reelected. That's the one thing that you know they're going to focus on. And if they're if you think they're going to eliminate these entitlement programs, I mean, just forget it. That's not going to happen. So um, when when President Trump now, I guess he wants to defer the payroll tax, which means people are still going to have to pay it. They're going to get a little bit of a, a break in their paycheck. Seven, I think it's 7.65% um, for Medicare and Social Security. And But then at the end of the year, they're still going to have to pay the tax. So they're going to have a nut to pay, you know, on April 15th of next year. Um, I'm assuming Trump is thinking if he wins, he's going to try to make it permanent um, and abolish the tax entirely. But if he loses, he's probably going to end up just, you know, sticking Biden with the problem and, and then blaming him. Um, so it's an interesting sort of dirty trick that Trump is trying to pull with this. Um, but in the end, I mean, deferring the tax is just going to, you know, really push the problem, kick the can down the road. And that doesn't really do much as far as deferring it. Um, it, it just seems to be more of a symbolic thing that Trump's trying to, trying to get through. But people really are grasping onto that threat that he's going to take the tax and eliminate it. Well, that's not going to happen because, number one, the president cannot permanently abolish a tax with an executive order. It's unconstitutional. This has to go through Congress. And do you think that Congress is going to sign off on abolishing the payroll tax? 
um, and make it look like they're undermining Social Security and Medicare? No way, especially if Nancy Pelosi is a speaker of the House and the Democrats are in control. Do you expect them to vote to abolish these taxes? No way. Not even the Republicans are going to do this because they're already pushing back. They already know it's a terrible policy. Um, but in the end, this is just more political theater. You know, it's like Trump creating chaos, Trump creating distractions, Trump throwing around shiny objects that get people's attention. And at the same time, his opponents shrieking, fear mongering, you know, telling people that Republicans want to throw grandma off a cliff. I mean, the whole thing is just bananas. So um, we'll see. I've got to believe that these four executive orders that he passed, for some reason, they've got to get stalled. For some reason, they need to be overturned. If for nothing else, some people have to object to them. So let's see if Ben Sass and maybe some of the other Republicans in Congress can push forward to to stop this. Um, I think Mitch McConnell um, has already said that he approves of these ideas, but McConnell, uh, yeah, McConnell's a problem. Um, But at any rate, um, I, it's theater to me. That's my thoughts on it. Um, I want to get a little bit more into the election season. It's heating up, but I just want to tell you, you know, we're, we're doing this live stream. It's on Facebook. It's on YouTube. I'm checking here over my shoulder. I see we have some viewers and people are popping in and popping off. They're probably going, what in the hell is this Riley guy doing at 12 midnight on a Monday? And, um, you know, I just want to kind of get this this thing rolling um, and, uh, you know, really kind of experimenting here with this live streaming. Um, but um, if you have questions, let me know um, here in the in the comment section, and then I'll respond to you during the podcast. Um, man, the election season is heating up, and I am looking forward to this because um, I've had a lot of political candidates here on the John Riley Project, mostly here locally. You know, candidates that have run for Poway Mayor, Poway City Council, Poway School Board. In fact. In the 2018 election cycle, we had about two thirds of the candidates that were running actually come into the studio and we did sit down interviews of, you know, anywhere from like 45 minutes to three hours. Um, fabulous. Fascinating. It's a great way we kicked off this podcast project almost two years ago. Um, and here we are, we're getting to another election season already. And we've done a number of interviews already. Um, last year, we, we, um, we were able to uh, actually proudly honored to, to host Chris Olps and his announcement for his candidacy for Poway City Council. Um, and then recently um, on Zoom, we had both Jimmy Karam and Cindy Seitzma, uh, two candidates running against each other for um, one of the seats on the Poway Unified School Board. Um, I've been having conversations with Frank Fournier. Um, He's going to be joining us on the podcast. We haven't actually set a time and date, but I expect to do that very soon. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I've extended invitations to a lot of other candidates, incumbents um, here locally and waiting to hear back. And hopefully we'll have some of them join us here. Um, I think it's important, you know, that we give these candidates an opportunity to tell their story um, so they can, you know, so so they can get their message out. Because this podcast, I like to think of it as a community forum. I, I was a candidate myself back in 2014. I ran for school board. I came up just 
1% short. Not that I'm bitter, um, but uh, I just knew back when I was a candidate, it was really hard to get a lot of FaceTime. It was really hard to get your message out. It was really expensive to get your message out. And so I like to create that platform, that opportunity for these candidates just to share their background, their history, and the things they want to accomplish if they're elected or if they happen to be an incumbent, talk about the things they have accomplished and what their plans are for the future. So um, really looking forward to getting deeper into the election season. Um, and then I just love following the presidential race. Boy, it's going to be fantastic. The debates are going to be starting here soon. And that is theater. That's entertainment. Um, I, I love watching the debates. And I don't watch the debates because I think I'm going to maybe use them to I guess, educate me or decide who I'm going to vote for. But I enjoy watching the debates um, just for the the comedy, the entertainment, the the um, the sportsmanship of all of it, the the um, the 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 debate, the counter debate. I think it's a lot of fun. It's like a sporting event to me. Um, but what's going to happen with these presidential debates? We're hearing uh, rumors that, you know, maybe pre- that uh, Vice President Biden, is he competent enough to do a debate? Um, I know Trump, I've been hearing that he wants to schedule some Um, additional debates even earlier, you know, because Trump's behind in the polls. He knows that Biden is vulnerable um, on the stage and Trump is like a mad dog that's going to want to chew him up. So I'm sure Trump is looking forward to doing some more of these debates. But either way, I mean, we've got two um, (laughs) partly senile, um, both accused of um, sexual assault, both, um, uh, you know, older guys and you're just thinking are these the only two choices come on people i mean in america there are more people that identify as independent than identify as republican or democrat yet we get into these debates and there's still only going to be two podiums two lecterns two candidates this has always been one of my biggest pet peeves is that the debates are not opened up because often there are some really good independent or third party candidates that are just shut out because the system is rigged for the two main parties. So, um, yeah, you know, in the end, I mean, a lot, especially at the national level, not as much at the local level, but at the national level, a lot of these candidates, what they really are all about is power. They're about control. They want power and control over you. So you have less power and control over yourself um, and they want to make you dependent. And I think we're seeing that with President Trump and these executive orders. You know, they're all trying to do all these handouts. And as much as these Republicans say they're against socialism, they're for it. They're just for a slightly different version of socialism. I like to think that the GOP are a bunch of right wing socialists. So they're all trying to build dependency. Um, they're trying to get you essentially addicted and dependent on them. But it's really important um, that while we we follow politics, we're we, we enjoy the conversation, at least I do for myself. Um, we enjoy the sporting um, aspect of it. But in the end, you have to control your own life. In the end, your life is yours. Your life is something that you need to live to the fullest, to flourish, to be all that you can be. And we sometimes we get caught up in a lot of these political conversations about which 
president, which party is going to be able to give us the most love, give us the things we need, the things we want. Um, but I just always say, be suspicious, be careful, be careful what you wish for. Um, yeah, so the election cycle is going to be starting up again. Um, again, on the local level, it's different. On the local level, I think people are doing it pretty much for the right reasons. Um, and they're trying to do what they think is moral and good and right for their community. At the national level, I'm skeptical. I think some of them go in with that opinion, but they just get sucked into the swamp. And, um, and then I think they become different people. So looking forward to the election cycle. Um, Frank Fournier, I hope you're going to be joining me here soon, a candidate here locally for city council. And then I put this um, invitation on the table. I'm we'll open up this podcast to any political candidate, whether you're running for um, city council, mayor, school board, whether you're running for um, county supervisor, governor, um, if you're running for dog catcher, I'm, I don't care, water board, any candidate is welcome to join me here. So um, especially if you're in San Diego County um, and not just Poway, but anywhere in San Diego County, those are the candidates I'd love to talk to because I want to give you an opportunity to get your message out. And boy, there's so many interesting things we can discuss. And I just would love to have that conversation and to give you that opportunity. So, um, you know, hit me up. You can DM me on Twitter. My handle there is John Riley Poway or hit me up on my Facebook page, uh, John Riley Project, or just go to my website at johnreillyproject.com. Um, okay. So yeah, we're about 33 minutes in. I want to kind of tell you a little bit more about my adventures in Pahrump, Nevada. And so, you know, like I said, I drove out um, on Thursday and I got back like this, this late this afternoon, probably about 430. I finally got home and man, it was a good trip. You know, I just wanted to kind of go into self-isolation. Um, I felt like I was, you know, wandering in the desert, you know, and, and it was good. It was healthy. It was therapeutic. Um, you know, I had been. I'm not going to get too deep into this. I'll keep it intentionally vague, but I have been going, you know, through a lot of issues in my mind, you know, and, you know, thinking about things in my past and things in my future and, and trying to understand it, kind of resolve some things. And I don't know if, if you have similar situations where, you know, you'll have the same thought and it cycles over and over in your mind, or you'll have a, memory of a past issue where you had regret, or maybe you have a worry about something that may or may not happen in the future. And then you get kind of all worked up about that. Um, I had a lot of that going on recently and have been doing a lot of self-discovery, self-exploration, and really starting to kind of understand things. Um, now, here I am, I'm in my mid-50s, but um really getting a little more clarity on why I am the way I am. And as I grew up and I had a lot of, I, there were a lot of isolated events. There were thoughts and feelings and other things along the way. But recently I've had some big aha moments where I can see the system of all this. I can see the linkage. I can see why this event caused that event. I can see why these feelings led to this behavior. I can see so much more because I have a deeper understanding of me. 
And this has been just, you know, heavy, like big time mind blowing as I've been going through this. But I still had a lot of loose ends, you know, in my mind, a lot of fragments that I really wanted to kind of go through. Um, but here I am at home and, you know, I, I've got two children ages 22 and 20, and they're both back home living with us because of the COVID crisis and everything else. And so I really wanted to kind of just get away and go somewhere. And so I did that and I, I was able to kind of work my way through this. I mean, some of you, by the way, have been asking me, how come you're not doing more podcast episodes? And part of it is because of this mental funk that I've been in. It's been getting in the way of some of my writing and some of my thought processes for the topics that I want to discuss. It was a higher priority for me to resolve these things, in other words. And I think by this trip, I was able to resolve a great number of them. And I feel really, really good about it. But it, it was just... Um, it was a chance to sort of hit a reset button. You know what I mean? You know, there, there were still fragments, still loose ends, things that I had to kind of clear in my mind to get to a peaceful place. And there were five big wins that happened while I was out in the desert in Pahrump, Nevada, isolated um, in a little duplex in 108 degree temperature, which thankfully the little duplex had great air conditioning. Um, you know, thank you very much, Patricia Joy and Airbnb. But the first thing that I was able to do that I think was really helpful for me is I was able to reduce a lot of these negative emotions. Um, I did a lot of journaling while I was there. And I do, I journal quite a bit. I probably journal at least five times a week. Um, on my computer, I have like a, a Microsoft Word document and I just type in it. And sometimes my journal entry will be a half a page. Sometimes it'll be four pages and I just unload my thoughts. And it's very, very helpful for me to kind of sort things through, kind of dump everything out of my mind and then get it out on a, in a document where I can sort it and rearrange it and then sort of reinsert it back in my mind. It helps me a ton. But while I was in Pahrump, I went deeper and deeper into my journaling. Um, because while I was in Pahrump, it was like a Seinfeld episode. I was doing absolutely nothing. You know, I wasn't, I had nothing scheduled. I wasn't with anybody. I didn't have anywhere to go. I was in Pahrump, which, you know, all due respect, Pahrump, not a lot to do in Pahrump. So I had nothing but time. And so I was able to go and do a lot of really, really deep journaling and really personally explore. And I, I was journaling for hours while I was out there. And it was just really, really powerful. Um, and I did, I did, I did tie up a lot of those loose ends. I was able to see the loose end for what it was, this fragment, this unresolved thing, understand why it existed, how it fit into the, the, the system that I had was able to see now through, you know, the self-discovery. And I was able then to close it, to resolve it. And then I was able to check that box and move on. And I was able to do that in various points and, and to just sort of clean up some of that debris that was just bouncing around in my head. And it was just really powerful. Um, I, I can be, and I've commented on this before, I can be the king 
of overthinking, you know, and I'll think about something and I'll rethink it and I'll think it again and I'll overthink it. And then I'll second guess myself and I'll think of it a different way. And that crushes you, that paralyzes you. And um, it's, it's a problem for me. And I've been always battling that. Um, but th- what happened while I was out there, as I resolved, I, I kind of, like I said, I had done a lot of pre-work. I had done 80%, 90% of it, I had already resolved a lot of it, especially over the past, let's say four months, um, really got a lot of clarity in my mind to settle some of these issues that have been bouncing around in my head for years. Um, but by finalizing those fragments, by tying the loose ends, I was a- actually able to get to closure I was actually able to give myself permission to close that door, to close that chapter of my life. And it was wonderful Um, because I had no other thoughts, no other unresolved issues around that, that, that problem. I had solved it essentially. And in doing so, I, I was able to reduce the negative emotions, which is the, one of the, one of the five main things I was able to do while I was out in the desert. And what the beautiful thing is, is that it quieted my mind and wow, was that something, um, as the volume in my mind decreased and I wasn't thinking about this or wondering about that or regretting something that happened in the past or worrying about something in the future. And what about this? What about that? I was able to like live in the present to a degree that I haven't been in a very long time. And, you know, when I'm out there by myself and there's no one with me and I'm out in the desert, I'm able to reconnect with me. And it was powerful, very powerful. It was almost to the point where it was almost sort of uncomfortable that I was sitting and and present in the present. I was, I was here, right here, right now. My mind wasn't elsewhere. And I know in the past when I've really tried to gain, gain presence, it would last for a short amount of time. And then suddenly my mind would bounce all over the place, but I was able to get to a spot where I was present for a long period of time, way longer than normal to a point that it was uncomfortable, but it was a good kind of uncomfortableness that I couldn't have ever gotten to um, had I really had been home and had all my distractions and, you know, all the other things that go on in my house having this solitude helped me get to that place and being in um, this Airbnb was really helpful because I'm not in my own house with my own things, issues, unresolved projects in my house. I was in a different place of Airbnb that was nicely decorated, had all the nice little touches. And if you've ever been in a really good Airbnb, there's usually like motivational sayings that are, in decorations or in artwork. There was a lot of that. And it, it was, what's the right word? A friend of mine that I did business with 20 years ago, he, he used this phrase simply elegant. And this Airbnb was like that. It was a, it was a duplex that was simple, but 
in an elegant way. And that surrounding of being in a clean, comfortable, cozy area um, that was separated from my regular place where I live. And I was in an uncluttered environment and my mind was uncluttered and I was able to really kind of, it was a different level of calmness. It was a different level of quietness, both actual quietness around because I'm in the desert, quietness in my mind. And it was powerful. Um, and so third thing while I was out there, first, you know, we get emotion and focusing on the present. The third, this mind was really helping me get to a point where I can get to a place where I can be creative. Um, it's hard to be a creative person when you have distractions and unresolved thoughts and your mind is overly active. Um, that's part of the reason why I haven't been doing as many podcasts over the last few months. Um, but I could feel that I was kind of getting back into that place where I can, um, I can position myself for growth and for building and for creation. Um, there was just a lot less noise in my mind, there was a sense of time slowing down um, in a really, really good way because I wasn't doing much of anything. So time moved slow and it was beautiful. So I kind of had a sensation that a lot of these traps that I had where I would overthink and overthink and think again and overthink, I had cleared a lot of those traps. I had jumped over the whirlpool and avoided it. And it put me in a spot where I could be receptive to creativity. And the beautiful thing about all this process is that, and this is the fourth thing, is um, I was able to discover these solutions myself. And it's interesting is, you know, when you're going about life and you need answers and whether it's answers in your business life or in your personal life, you know, you look to people, you know, people to help you, teachers, family, friends, you know, so-called gurus that know things. Um, a lot of times, you know, the answer, you just don't know that, you know, the answer, the answer is often within you, especially when you're going through some of these things that I've been, I've been focusing on. Um, I know more than I think I know. And I think the whole notion of trusting your gut is powerful. Um, I don't know if you've ever had that experience where you're in a situation, you have a decision to make, your gut is telling you something, it's giving you a signal. You can sort of hear it. You can sort of feel it. But then your mind takes over. And your mind convinces you to do something different. Um, the fact that your gut is telling you something tells you that the answer really is within you. Because if you've ever had that situation where your gut was telling you something, your mind talked you out of it. A lot of times 
that situation doesn't turn out positively. A lot of times it becomes a bad experience. This notion of listening to your body, listening to yourself at a deeper level is confirming the fact that the answers are within you. And again, I was able to discover that being by myself. And I was out there for four days by myself and didn't go anywhere. (laughs) Just stayed in this little duplex. And it was very fulfilling to be able to figure a lot of this out on your own. But I needed that time. I needed that quiet time, that, that solitude, that being somewhere else that helped me get there. Um, But it's almost like, you know, the whole idea of happiness too, you know, again, this podcast about life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Um, Happiness is also something that comes from within. Just as we can solve our problems, the answers are within. Sometimes we get hung up on wanting happiness and we want to get happiness from another person or we want to buy happiness because of an experience. But in the end, we create our own happiness. Our happiness comes from within ourselves. And in this case, the answers to a lot of our problems come within ourselves, especially if you're like me as a middle-aged guy. You've had a tremendous amount of life experience that deep down in there, the answers exist. You just got to uncover them and find them. And I was able to do that. So number one, I reduced negative emotions while I was out there. Number two, I was really able to focus on the present to the point of being uncomfortable in a good way. Thirdly, this uncluttered mind kind of put me in a position to be creative, to build. Number four, I discovered these answers myself on my own, which was fulfilling. And then the fifth thing is, is it kind of put me in a place where I'm ready to go forward. And so while I was out there, too, I kind of made a plan. And a lot of it's actually related to this podcast and the things that I want to accomplish with this project. And by the way, that's why the name of the podcast is The John Riley Project, which, by the way, it's not just the podcast. There's a lot of other things that I'm trying to do as part of this project. It's a lot of other kinds of content creation and writing. And, and there's a whole revenue side to this and a business aspect to it that I'm, that I'm working on. Um, and so I spent a good amount of time while I was out there kind of laying out a new plan. And I don't know about you, but I put together plans and a lot of times we're able to execute on those plans, or maybe we get halfway into those plans and we have to make an adjustment, which is fine. But there's other times I've made plans where I'll go down a path and I'll get distracted and I kind of go down, you know, a little rabbit hole and then I got to come out of that um, and then kind of get back on track. And it's hard. Um, But what I was noticing now is that as I built this new plan, having clarity of mind, being truly in the present where I wasn't worried about the past or anxious about the future, where I didn't have a lot of these unresolved things in my mind that I had been, you know, slowly but surely knocking down. It kind of felt like the plan was different this time, that it was a plan that I thought could be achievable. Um, And I'm going to really challenge myself to see if I can stick to this. Um, 
because it was a plan that wasn't just sort of put together quickly. It was something that was really deeply thought through, but in a way that was consistent with this self-discovery, self-resolution process that I have been going through. Um, and so, yeah, so now I'm in a position now where I'm really going to be focusing on productivity because I think when I'm productive, um, that also kind of shuts down parts of your mind where you start to spin. Um, I can get in that productive mode, start cranking out and getting results. That productivity builds my self-esteem, which then creates a positive energy loop and kind of helps me do be even more productive and continue to improve on what I'm doing. So that's going to be my focus coming out of this. But as I was out in the desert, I didn't get everything figured out. Of course not. But um, I did check off a lot of boxes and it just felt really good, um, especially just doing it by myself on my own in solitude. It was very, very special for me and um, kind of wish I would have stayed out there longer, but I have some appointments tomorrow. So I had to come back. Um, but man, was it was very good and it was relaxing. I mean, I told you my my neck, my shoulders, my I feel better about me as I went through this process. So all good. I'm, I'm really happy to share this with you um, because I want this podcast to really be about, I mean, I talk about politics and current events, but in the end, it's really about improving our lives, you know, our personal life, our business life. It's, you know, this podcast, I really want to start being able to provide more value for my viewers and listeners. And I hope you find this valuable. And if you want to contact me offline, I can give you some more detail. I'm kind of purposely vague about some of this because, you know, it's stuff that's bouncing around in my head. Um, but um, in the end, this was a really, really good trip. And I don't know if this is a thing that would work for you or not, but it definitely worked for me. Um, you know, sort of getting into a new, split, a new place, a new environment by yourself with nothing to do, nothing scheduled. And just take time to write and to journal and to process issues and get clarity of mind. Um, I, this is really kind of a form of meditation. I'm sure of it. You know, it's just my own way of doing it. And it was great. So um, if you'd like to, um, you know, kind of continue the discussion, get get on my mailing list. You can go to johnreillyproject.com slash subscribe. You can reach out to me on social media. Like I told you, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. Um, so reach out to me there. Um, and, and if you're watching this, you know, whether you're watching the live version or you're um, watching this, you know, tomorrow or later on, or you're listening, because I'll be downloading the audio here shortly and then posting that um, in a uh, in a audio only podcast, you know, subscribe and like it and share it. That'd be really helpful as you know, we try to work and build the audience. So um I do have a closing quote. I always do on my solo podcast, and this is a great one. And it's um, it's from the, the remember the TV show Friday Night Lights. Have you ever seen that? It's a about a um, a football coach in a, a high school in Texas, you know, where football is the biggest thing in the world out there on Friday nights. And um, Coach Eric Taylor is played by the actor Kyle Chandler, and this kind of summarized a lot of what I was going through on my trip in Pahrump. And it's you've heard the phrase, right? clear eyes, full heart, can't lose. And on my trip, I felt my eyes 
were had became clear and my heart became fuller and yeah i i feel better i i I feel like i'm gonna be winning right now i feel like i have a great opportunity to win and so um so clear eyes full heart can't lose um so until next time this is the john riley project thanks for listening thanks for joining me this is episode number 148 um have a great evening and we'll get back to you again real soon bye-bye